0: Welcome everyone, I'm Kim Christensen and this is the Peaceful Productivity Podcast where I share strategies to help you get the most out of your time and feel better in the process. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Peaceful Productivity Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the secret to follow through. As a productivity coach, I often get asked about follow through. Often my clients will struggle with things like procrastination or willpower fatigue, and they're looking for a more effective approach to getting started on a task. So today I'd like to share the most effective method that I found for myself and my clients in following through on those commitments that you've made for yourself. If you struggle to transition between tasks or even get started on something new that you've planned for yourself, this is the episode for you. It may even be helpful for those who avoid planning at all. And the reason why is that for some of us, we don't like to make a plan for ourselves if we know that we won't be following through on it anyway. For others, We prefer to just go with the flow and feel spontaneous. If you are finding that your desire for spontaneity is getting in the way of accomplishing the most important stuff to you, then you may also find this episode helpful. So first let's define the problem. The problem is that when the time arrives to do something new, you find yourself in a state of resistance. And this resistance usually takes the form of a conversation in your head. So when it comes time to do that thing that you had planned to do, what does the conversation in your head sound like? If you're anything like me, it's a conversation between different parts of me. There's a part of me that's really invested in following through. I'm going to call her the planner part. The planner part decides that I'm going to do something, and she even went so far as scheduling it in my calendar. So for example, at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'm going to go for a run. She made this plan with my best interests in mind. For a multitude of reasons, going for a run is beneficial for my mental and physical well-being. So I've made that decision, and there's peace of mind around that. Right up until the time when 7 a.m. the next morning arrives. Because that's when another part of me enters the conversation. I'll call this part of me the micromanager. She wants to revisit the decision. (laughs) She has a long list of all the reasons why it isn't a great idea to go for a run right now. So the planner responds that she wants to stick with the decision that's already been made. She has a long list of reasons why I should stick with the plan. So these two sides, the planner and the micromanager, they engage in an inner debate. It's this in the moment debate that I want to talk to you about today. Because this debate can get quite heated The micromanager can be quite persuasive and strong-willed, but so can the planner. And the planner has willpower at her disposal, especially early in the morning. So she'll play that card if she needs to. She also likes to use judgment and shaming as a technique to bully me into following through. And while this works occasionally, It can just as easily lead to willpower fatigue or defiance and avoidance. So there's a couple of reasons why this inner debate poses a problem. The first reason is because it potentially derails you. You spend a lot of time on the debate and less time on accomplishing the things that you want to do that time spent on the debate is very fatiguing. It's very tiring. And regardless of what the result of the debate is, whether you do it or don't do it, you feel like you are in a no-win situation. You feel forced into a corner. So that can be a problem. The second reason why the debate poses a problem is because sometimes this resistance we can make that mean something about us. So the fact that there is resistance, we can make that mean that we are lazy, or that we're not good at following through, or that we're not good at planning, or that we're just not productive, or that we're not organized. There's a long list of things that we can make that mean about ourselves, when in fact, that resistance, that inner dialogue is something that is extremely normal and natural. And in fact, it's part of the wiring of our survival mechanisms in our brain. Because what happens is that in the moment, we have a survival part of us that is very invested in avoiding pain, seeking pleasure, and looking for the most efficient means to do something. And back in the day, this served us very well. It kept us safe from danger, and it meant that we were doing things that were in our best interests. In today's day and age, what it means is that we can become so invested in avoiding pain, finding the most efficient ways, and seeking pleasure, that we're actually circumventing our own best intentions. It's that debate between short-term gratification, which is actually a survival mechanism and can be quite strong, and the other part, the delayed gratification part of us, that is invested in improvement, growth, and long-term goals. This debate that happens is very normal. And the reason I offer that to you is because that forms part of the first part of the solution. So the solution to this debate has three parts. The first part is just anticipating the debate. When we start to resist the resistance, then we end up compounding it. And that's when we can get really derailed. If we have this thought that I shouldn't be resisting this, I should be better at motivating myself, I should be better at following through, all of that starts to pile on layers of guilt and shame, and those feelings are end up blocking us. They end up making us avoid the very thing that we want to be doing. So... One way to circumvent the resistance to the resistance is to expect it. And not just expect it, but actually plan on it. I can tell you that I've been exercising every morning for years. And yet, even though that has become a habit for me, there's still resistance every single morning. There's still this idea that perhaps I should do it later in the day, or perhaps I should take the day off, or I don't have time today. My brain will still offer me reasons why I should not go for the run. And I've learned to expect that. And I understand it, in the fact that it's coming from this hardwiring in my brain. So I no longer beat up on myself for having the resistance, I accept the resistance, which allows me to move through the resistance instead of trying to resist the resistance. So that's the first one is anticipate the debate. The second part is to have compassion for both parts. So both the planner and the micromanager both have your best interests at heart. Even though it might not seem like that in the moment, and you might find all kinds of reasons why one part is superior to another part, when you dig underneath the surface, you find that they actually both want what's best for you. And reminding myself of that allows me to have compassion for both parts of me. Having that compassion and that understanding for both parts of me also helps me to move through the resistance to understanding and compassion rather than compound the resistance with more resistance and judgment and guilt. In fact, what I like to do is I like to reframe the two parts of me. So you'll recall that I I named the two parts that were engaged in the inner debate. I named one of them the planner and the other the micromanager. I've since reframed and renamed those two parts of me to remind me that they both have my best interests at heart. So the planner, I now call her the nurturer. She's the part of me that plans in advance really is invested in my healing and my growth and my progress and my self-care from a place of self-compassion. That's the reason why she makes the plans in the first place. Is she really wants those long-term benefits for me. I've also renamed the micromanager I now call her the protector. She shows up in a lot of different ways, this part of me. She shows up in avoiding and preventing unnecessary pain. And the reason why she's doing that is because she wants to keep me safe. That's old programming that came from childhood. And in fact, it came from the evolutionary part of my brain. And so she's also coming from a really good place. She's trying to keep me safe, find ways that are more efficient, and avoid unnecessary pain. So when I think about those two parts of myself as the nurturer and the protector, it's really easy and a quick path to self-compassion. And it also helps me to move through the resistance Now, the last part of the solution is to find a way to give both the nurturer and the protector what they want. So in making the plan, we have satisfied the nurturer part of myself that wants to go for a run and wants to protect my well-being. And in the moment when the protector chimes in with thoughts around delaying the run or postponing, avoiding it altogether. What I like to do is I like to give that part of me compassion and also still give her some optionality, some choice. So rather than forcing myself to go for a run and just squashing her down, I like to actually recognize that she wants to have some choice, some agency in the situation in the moment. If you've ever felt like your schedule is too rigid, even if it's a schedule you've made for yourself, or you're feeling constrained or confined or pressured by your schedule, likely what's happening there is that you're relying on willpower and pressure to force yourself forward, when in fact, what can often help to move you forward in a more efficient manner is to give yourself some flexibility. So for those of you who have been following the podcast for a while, you'll know that I have, I call it a rule, I should rebrand it, it's actually a tool, the 10-minute tool What this achieves is it gives both the nurturer and the protector a way forward. So, what is the 10 minute tool? It is in the moment when I have the inner debate spark up, I tell myself that I'm going to do it for 10 minutes. And you can make that time frame anything that you want. I just settled on 10 minutes. 10 minutes is enough time for me to get into a new activity, but it's also short enough that I tell the protector part of myself, if you want to opt out after 10 minutes, if you're still feeling this way after 10 minutes, you absolutely can. And so it's a way of satisfying the needs of both the nurturer part and the protector part and maintaining the flexibility for the protector part. As I mentioned earlier, the protector part has been so accustomed to being forced into doing things through willpower that having that flexibility actually feels very motivational. Most of the time when the 10 minutes has elapsed, I'm really into the activity and I want to keep going. But if I do decide to stop, I honor that as well. And the best part of all of that is it's strengthening that self-commitment muscle. So for those who don't like planning because they don't trust themselves to follow through, or if they're trying to jam too much into their schedule, I hear that quite often. People will often say, well, it takes me longer to do an activity than I had anticipated. I end up running out of time. So for those who don't like planning or tend to rely on pressure to get themselves through the day, pressure and willpower, or for those who would like to incorporate more flexibility into their schedule, then I'll invite you to give this a try. It's the 10-minute tool. Coming from a place of providing for yourself, those parts of yourself, for both the nurturer and for the protector. So from a place of self-compassion rather than a place of force or pressure. All right, everyone. I'd love to hear about how the 10-minute tool works for you. If you would like to check out more information about how to achieve peaceful productivity, you can check out my website at financialwellnesscoach.ca. Have a great day.